Welcome to the Magnificast. I'm Dean. And I'm Matt. So this week we're talking with Derek Ford, again, who we talked to a long time ago in episode three. But before we do that, a little podcast housekeeping would help. Uh, So the first order of business, the Virilia reading group that we're going to do is still going to happen and it starts on July 11th. So there's details at our blog uh, and you can also sign up at our Patreon account. Or just, like, drop us a couple of bucks for no reason um, to improve our, our sound audio quality, which really just, you know, helps you in the end. The more the more money you give us, the better the sound quality gets. <laughs> That's right. Uh, second, we started a Facebook group so we can all get to know each other and build a revolution on the internet. Um, so it's very fun to kind of chat. And also, Matt and I met <laughs> on a subreddit one time, so uh, we're bringing back all the, all the greatest hits. Um, and then, uh, lastly, uh, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, apparently, according to some podcast entrepreneurs, uh, that Matt and I read for fun. <laughs> That's not fun. <laughs> uh, and and not for profit. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, that's like a very important uh, thing to do. So yeah, uh, who knows? They might be right. Give us uh, give us your very very lots of starred reviews. Um, speaking of lots of starred reviews, uh, we've been asking people to do this for like, like I don't know all of the episodes forever. Um, and there are three reviews, and uh, I want to take a second just to give a shout out to the people who have reviewed us. Uh, first of all, uh, there's someone named Matt Aaron Roberts, <laughs> Matt Aaron Robertson, who says this podcast is a gem, five stars. He's right, it is. Uh, there is uh, someone uh, who, uh, someone called Dude Ravioli, who says, "Now that's a podcast." Okay, that one was me. That was actually just me doing it. Uh, <laughs> but I'm right. It is what I call a podcast. <laughs> like that that's a uh, that's sort of a review that could be positive or negative or just like stating state like that is a true statement <laughs> affirmative the ravioli yeah that's right <laughs> affirmative uh and then uh most recently uh shout out to bb hillard who gave us a like um a paragraph review which is i mean more effort than i could ever expect anyone to give for like this podcast or also itunes he gives a four out of five stars which is very appropriate and he says these things about the podcast uh and i, I appreciate all of them and they're all 100 percent true he says bb hillard i don't know what bb stands for but uh we'll we'll speculate big boss big boss hillard that's his new name sorry or her new name i don't know um, Big Boss Hillard says, This podcast caught my attention first via Twitter, where the two hosts are avid posters. That's right, we are. The first few episodes of this podcast are painfully poor-leveled, making for a rough experience as one voice is remarkably loud and the other is absurdly quiet. In addition, the first the first several episodes are filled with a uh, few awkward pauses and a general lack of direction with some baseline hot tactics. Yeah, uh, so right. this is 100% true. Um, and I'm not like offended or mad i just like this is absolutely the truth um that's what the first few episodes are like but uh a few episodes in this podcast becomes its own the episode on virilio grabbed my attention and kept me coming back the two hosts are extremely talented in speaking and playing off each other quite well not to mention they are well read and well trained in the act of hot takes that's actually <laughs> what my master's degree in is in, it's in hot takes yeah i go to a hot uh, take dojo every morning actually <laughs> It's the the hot take dojo is better than hot takes university. Uh, it's like sort of like more intensive training, one on one exercise, you know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the most re- recent episode I thought was the best so far. Uh, Big Boss Hiller does not tell us what that is. Uh, this is supposed to be June 9th, so maybe um, maybe the last episode. 
But the best part is, uh, as the review ages, every episode will be the best one. So oh, I that's appreciate true. that. I'm thankful they will for all that. Be, they will all be the best. Uh, anyways, uh, the most recent episode I thought was the best so far and left me wanting more. I'm not even Catholic. I'm a non-practicing Southern Baptist. <laughs> but this podcast has revitalized both my faith and left disbelief. After a rough start, this podcast is settling into a very interesting niche, which is surprisingly dope. Uh, this is like the most edifying and uh, great, just like the best thing I've ever read. It makes me feel like what we're doing actually matters. And like it's uh, uh, that it revitalizes faith is like the most interesting thing to me because it's kind of like we're doing evangelism here. Um, <laughs> so uh, local mission committees out there, um, local mission ki- committee members, please uh, consider us uh, for your donations of money. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your youth pastors. Yeah, tell your tell your youth pastors. Uh, hold a hold a good communist potluck at your church. We know that it will get people in the door. Now this is a tried and true method. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> it works. A love a love offering for this podcast specifically. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So thanks, Big Boss Hillard. We appreciate you and your four stars and all of your very honest feedback. Uh, honestly, like so so floored that somebody said all of those nice things. Um, <laughs> very cool. Okay, so we want to talk with Derek Ford again. Um, uh, we took a, a poll not too long ago about like the most popular episodes, and the uh, the episode uh, episode three, I think, was when we first talked to Derek, and everyone voted that they wanted more. So uh, we're gonna follow the uh, tradition of democratic Twitter centralism and uh, <laughs> and, and give the people what they want. I don't know. Uh, so so we're doing it. Uh, Derek's back on the podcast. Um, and we picked some stuff to read with him and kind of get his input on. Uh, so first, we picked a relatively leftist Christian, uh, Herbert McCabe, uh, and also some essays from Lenin on religion and socialism. So in this episode, we're going to juxtapose how each treats religion. The point of this discussion is to make more bridges between Christian thought and communist practice and Christian practice and communist thought. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Uh, so if you didn't hear the first episode of Derek, uh, Derek uh, wrote a book called Communist Study, and it's very cool. He uh, writes a lot about Althusser and uh, lots of other people. He is a member of the PSL. Uh, he's a professor. He's awesome. He's very cool. He just got married. Congrats. <laughs> um, let's see. So that's Derek, if you don't know who he is. If you don't know who Herbert McCabe is, he was a Dominican priest who contributed some pretty famous leftist uh, Catholic journals. And if you don't know who Lenin is, I don't know, man, like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's been a hundred years since you should it's know. Been, yeah, right. There's it's <laughs> just uh, Google, Google him, I guess. First, we're going to talk about Lenin and religion, and then we're going to kind of segue into talking about McCabe. But first, let's catch up a little bit. Um, okay, cool. Well, Derek, thanks for like coming back to talk to us. We oh, appreciate yeah. that. It was uh, the first episode was so good. We had to do it again. <laughs> Let's do the exact same thing. <laughs> this the exact same episode. Uh, I have a script here. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. That's good. Also, congrats on getting married. That's awesome. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, being married is very fun. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, what is a what 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 does a communist wedding look like? Do you guys have a, a communist priest who comes and reads from the communist uh, book of common communist prayer? No, we had um, 
a reverend from the church where my partner Sarah and I uh, went pretty much since we, uh, well, since we started living together. Um, I've known him for about uh, eight years, a church in uh, Syracuse called Dewitt Community Church. And um, we had uh, readings from the Bible, and we also had readings from uh, Badu. Oh, my God. He was our communist. <laughs> that's so, that's so good. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. So, you know, obviously, like, many of the people invited were, were communists. And, like, I would just say... Um, for anyone having a wedding, definitely invite communists because they will just make sure like that everything happens because they're such good organizers. <laughs> so like they were, uh, two of my comrades were in charge of like giving people like the wedding programs as they entered. And they were just like, you know, they were like about to hit the streets afterwards. Cause they were like, we got more, we got to get rid of them. Like we can't, we can't go back to Derek with these, with these flyers. Like we gotta, we gotta, Go to the masses. That was funny. You, you got to rent these services out. That sounds like a good way to, uh, you know, build money for the party. Honestly, it is. I mean, well, the thing is, is like there are, I mean, um, you know, like disciplined organizations like actually have done that. So would the, the Nation of Islam, <laughs> you know, has the fruits of Islam and they actually <laughs> yeah. they provided security for a lot of housing projects up until uh, Clinton gutted uh, HUD funding in the 1990s. They were like. You know, they were the ones who would like you know regulate. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, interesting. Uh, on a related note, um, thing that I did this weekend uh, on Saturday, I went to a karaoke party hosted by the Communist Party of Canada, um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it wasn't as well organized as a wedding, um, but it was very well organized and very fun. Mostly uh, tons of, like songs in like uh, I don't know Greek and Spanish, and then uh, like. A few of my, like, younger friends came to just sing, like, indie rock, so uh, that was cool. Uh, my wife sang. She's a lot braver than I am. I did not sing. I just drank, so that was <laughs> fun. That's cool. Um, it's interesting that there actually, it was like, there's more than just the international over and over again at that party. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, neat. I, um, I didn't do anything exciting. I just argued with people on Twitter and uh, Good. lost my mind about Jeremy Corbyn, and, like, that was it. That was all. I did. <laughs> that's important. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess that's important. Um. All right. Do you want to just uh, move on a little bit to the the uh, the essays that we read for today? Okay. Yeah. So we we picked uh, two essays from Lenin to read about religion. One's called Socialism and Religion, and the other one is called The Attitude of the Workers' Party to Religion. And I think they're both uh, they both express about like the same sort of sentiment. Um. And mainly uh, what Lenin thinks about religion is that uh, it's best kept as sort of a private matter, which is, I think, a pretty good strategic move. Um, but maybe before we even get that far, uh, Derek, I don't know. Do you want to tell us about, like, Lenin for a minute or, like, uh, why he's a character we should um, care about? Yeah, well, I mean, so uh, Lenin, I think uh, one of the reasons why he's, you know, so widely read so widely cited is because he was the um you know not only the sort of you know leader of the of the russian revolution and the you know the person who made it like the sort of you know theorist and strategist who made it uh not just a, a blip right not just sort of a, a brief experiment right um but you know as one who was able to actually make it sort of take hold um 
for you know and and, and last um, and endure. And I think that not just in 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 Russia, but if you his sort of um, you know his his translation of Marxism into the era of imperialism um, was, I think, the sort of you know like it, it was the thing. I don't know. It's sort of I would say a, a fulcrum in the global like revolutionary surge of the 20th century one of the things that really made the 20th century you know possible like it was the key sort of theoretical he was like provided the key like theoretical link uh for the for the like um the coming together of movements for socialism and for national liberation and so even those struggles that were waged that weren't of an explicitly socialist character um, you know, throughout uh, Africa, Asia, Latin America, were like influenced by, uh, you know, by Lenin, by his writing, by his thinking, and the way that he was able to sort of read and navigate the tumultuous, uh, you know, decades before 1917, and uh, you know, sometime after that. I don't know. That's what I think. What do you What do you think? Um, I I like what you said too. I mean, about how. Um... I don't know, Lenin is the guy that sort of like makes this work for like the 20th century and also in terms of like imperialism and thinking about imperialism. Um, Dean and I have been talking a lot about uh, like alternating between like Twitter and Facebook, talking a lot about uh, the sort of ongoing struggle of the uh, Communist Party of the Philippines, which has Mm. uh, some some like Maoist, like Marxist Leninist Maoist stuff going on it. And uh, what I've learned with that, and along with some Marxist-Leninist stuff too, is that like those uh, modes of critique and modes of struggle aren't like reducible to just like the figures of Lenin or figures of Mao that Mm -hmm. they're like you know stretched over uh, geography and uh, different locations and like deployed all kinds of different places. Um, So that's what I found really interesting about Lenin is that it's not just like about the dude himself, but it's about the way that that sort of plays out everywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so I think that's like a really helpful way into talking about Lenin as a figure. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about why uh, writing on religion at all uh, would matter for somebody in Lenin's Russia in particular? Well, yeah, so I think that it, looking at, you know, I mean, so Russia at the time of, you know, in, in a lot of Europe, um, at the, you know, late 19th, 19th century, early 20th century, uh, the church is is the fundamental feature of society, and um, you know even like you know this is after the Enlightenment and all that, right? But still, I mean, especially in Russia, basically Lenin positions the church as a sort of intermediary between the state and the people. Um, the church is dependent on the state. Uh, it tries to keep the people dependent on it, uh, and it's it's dependent on the state. And he talks about it in one of the pieces that we read um, in 1905. He talks about it as like basically it has like a sort of feudal position uh, in relation to the state. Um, and yeah, so it's so it's like a critical like material element. It's also an important, you know, he's he's very concerned about it and communists are concerned about it because of the way in which it's able to paper over the class struggle or sort of redirect the class struggle around other ends. Um, and like 
yeah, and sort of obscure the idea that class struggle is a fundamental antagonism in society. Yeah, uh, I think that's great. And it's like a really good way into um, what's going on in Lenin's own thoughts about religion. Uh, so, Matt, uh, I wonder, like, was there anything that struck you in either of these two essays in particular uh, that, like, just jumped out as a religious person thinking about uh, Leninism? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. So there's like some stuff that, uh, I don't know, strikes me as a little condescending <laughs> and some stuff that, that, that strikes me as like, uh, like strategically helpful though, uh, regardless of its, of, of the condescension. Um, there's this like in, in both of these essays from, uh, from Lenin, there's like this overall feeling that <laughs> this really interesting sort of play. Okay. On the one hand, um, uh, he basically says like every socialist or at least everyone that subscribes to materialism, every socialist that subscribes to materialism will be like an atheist by rule because there's like no room for that in, um, in any sort of like religious worldview. And, uh, that seems disingenuous, but also he's writing at a time before like so much theology ever happened. So, I mean, I guess I can't blame him. Um, but it's just like, it's funny to me that, um, he just takes it up like as a rule, uh, all socialists will have to be atheists because of materialism. Um, which kind of discounts a lot of like the radical theology of the church. Uh, but, but at the same time I get it. Um, <laughs> any, anyways, like that's the sort of condescending part that like I had a hard time with, but I kind of understand it in this sort of context. Uh, but the part that I do like, uh, is that's cool. Uh, there's a quote from socialism and religion and, uh, I'll, I'll just read it here if that's cool. Um, yeah. Lenin says, unity in this really revolutionary struggle of the oppressed class for the creation of a paradise on earth is more important to us than unity of proletarian opinion on paradise in heaven. Um, that like overall feeling of like the unity of, yeah, like the proletariat is very cool and very good. Um, and, you know, it, maybe he doesn't, uh, Lenin doesn't have super nuanced views on theology and like that is totally okay. Uh, but even though he doesn't, uh, he, there's like this room sort of for everybody, regardless of like their... Uh, uh, their brand of metaphysical belief. Yeah, I like too that uh, it kind of cuts against that uh, stereotype of um, communism uh, that you get fed in the West that like there's this kind of massive group think and nobody's allowed to think for themselves or ever care about anything. And Lenin's like, I just don't care what you think about, you know, if you're like a Catholic or Protestant or Orthodox, like just, you know, maybe don't uh, don't exploit labor. Like that would be a better thing. <laughs> yeah, talk about like religious liberty, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, I mean, I I I agree that there's, you know, he has this like hard and fast view, right? The materialism over here, God, Christianity, whatever theology over here. Um, but the interesting thing is the sort of like is that, you know, he doesn't say that like after the revolution or under socialism, everyone will be atheist, right? His position is right. that, like, the party is atheist because, you know, and it, this is a condescension, obviously, but they're the advanced section, right? right? But it's not like... Distinction. But it's like, yeah, so they have to be atheists, but in, in a socialist society, not everyone might be socialist. Um, right. And so, you know, thus not everyone will be atheists. Yeah, could we talk about that distinction a little bit between... Um what Lenin thinks uh, you should, you know, commit to as a person who's a member of the party and then commit to as a person who's a member of, like, the struggle. Because, uh, yeah, I guess um, there are a few places in the essays where he makes concessions to, like, clergy people who are radicalizing or, um, 
you know, he'll say, like, yeah, somebody can join the party and think whatever they want about religion. Like, we don't ask because we don't care. Um, but then at other points in times, he's like, but also, like, you should care a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think Lenin's views on religion are basically just contradictory, you know? And I think that um, because he is like this is, I mean, the the sort of overarching theme, I think, is always that it's secondary. It's not a primary thing, right? So just, like, don't stop, like, writing about it because it's just weird and, and alienating. <laughs> and he says it's, like, he says that it's, you know, it's not just, he says that this isn't just like a strategic thing. Like, it's not just because it's alienating, but it's also because, like, it contradicts uh, the, it contradicts Marxism to think that any propagandizing against religion, you know, really does anything because people, right, and go through this transition, this transition we're supposed to go through, where we go, you know, he says from, whatever, you know, like, uh, clergymen or you know, parishioners or whatever into proper socialists that are atheists happens not because anyone reveals something to us, but because our experience in the struggle leads us to this belief and these convictions and this consciousness. So again, it's like material reality determining consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's not just like, he isn't just saying like, well, just don't talk about it because like we're trying to win this other thing over here. Um, but it is like, but I think that's the primary takeaway, right? Is that it is um, it is like a, a sort of secondary thing and right. It's like never primary and he can't really think of a situation where it would be a priority um, or a primary contradiction to attend to. But on the other hand, he says that, right, the party like religion is a, is a private affair relation to the state, but in relation to the party, they have to be concerned with it. So, you know, he always like one of the good things about Lenin, I think in terms of like reading him is not only is he like super clear. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And just as an aside, like I remember reading, I was reading, I think it was like imperialism with a group of people. And my friend Ben was like, was like, you know, I just love how like clear this is and how much sense it makes. And he was like, and then I realized like, Oh yeah, because they won. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's this relationship between the fact that like reading Lenin, you're like, Oh yes, this is super clear. Like, there's no, you know, there's no, like, um, you know, like what we see in academic texts all the time, which is, like, this sort of ending where it's, like, oh, these all these different tensions, and we should let them play out, and, like, we should not <laughs> reduce one, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. blah, 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 which is basically just, like, a refusal to, to take a position. Lenin's always, like, no, there's this position, there's this position, there's this position, and this is the right position for this reason, and I think that, like, you know, it's not, that's not unrelated to the fact that they actually won, um, but anyways... So he says that, like, there's this sort of, right, like, you know, left opportunism, which would be, or left, not opportunism, but left deviation, uh, which is, you know, like, to rail against the, you know, to be, like, public atheists and to, you know, propagandize against religion. And then there's this right opportunism, which is, or right deviation, which is, okay, because religion's a private affair, you know, like, we just don't say anything about it and, you know, you don't even address it. And then, he, so he's trying to like walk this line in yeah. between those two things. And, you know, to the extent, and I think that like the history, you know, I'm not an expert on like religion in the Soviet Union, right? But I would say, and if I, you know, you, you both probably know more about this than I do, but I would say that the history of the Soviet Union plays out this sort of, right, ambiguous, like walking this line and taking a clear position, but it's still like, um, it's still a, uh, it's still there's still a lot to be worked out. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say. The Soviet Union's relationship to the Orthodox Church is really complicated and weird. Um, and I think, like, uh, I don't know, from my vantage point, it doesn't seem as though uh, <laughs> Lenin's kind of a chilled-out view about religion kind of won out, um, which is unfortunate, but, like, I don't blame him for that, per se, given that he says what he says here. Um, but what I think is really strategically fascinating in this article is, uh, well, the two things that I really appreciated, um, as you were talking, Derek, about, uh, well, they won, I was just thinking about why that is. And, uh, one of the, one of the strategic things that really helped, I think, is, uh, saying we shouldn't go after, um, religion because it just gets all these kind of bourgeois concerns, uh, going and roiling, and it just distracts from the actual important questions that, people should be dealing with so you know the minute that communists get vilified as atheists then like nobody's interested anymore and that's like bad news um and it doesn't really matter like you're saying it's a secondary issue so like just don't deal with it um and then i loved also the second point where he's arguing with the anarchists uh and he's like anarchists say uh you know they accuse marxists of just not trying to scare away re religious people and Lenin's like well it's more than that but also like why would you want to scare away religious people <laughs> and it's like really appreciated that <laughs> Okay, so Lenin thinks that, you know, religion should be a private affair and that uh, the advanced socialist party, um, everybody in that is an atheist. However, uh, I wonder if the Herbert McCabe article that we read kind of problematizes this a little bit because McCabe uh, clearly has a understanding of class struggle and he's trying to work that out for Christians and as a Christian. Um, and I think, I don't know, I mean... If you're like a hardline atheist, I guess that you would still say McCabe is, you know, delusional and maybe like in a future social society, he would uh, get over that hump. But as a Dominican priest, um, thinking through what class struggle means, uh, I do think that it kind of um, just pushes Lenin a little bit on this. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Derek, what what did you think about that essay? Um, I. I mean, so reading it and this is the class struggle in Christian love It's clear that it's like. The primary audience, right, is definitely not. Um, it's interesting because it's almost like whereas Lenin is talking to Marxists about how to approach Christians and saying, or you know, whatever, how to deal with religion, the question of religion, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, saying it's like, well, this is a secondary thing. Um, it's almost like McCabe is talking to Christians about their relationship to Marxism and, the, you know, whatever struggles for liberation and emancipation. And he's not saying, um, I don't know, he's, and then he's trying to say, hold, hold both like Christian love and class struggle as, um, you know, congruous or in some sort of harmony or like, you know, mutually reinforcing or whatever. Um, and I think, so reading it, I don't read it, you know, I don't know, um, as like, I feel like he's not trying to win me over. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's a good, you know, I don't know. I think that if I were to be a Christian person, it's basically, so Lenin says, right, like that we should push clergymen and we should say like, okay, so you say that you're for freedom and you're for justice and you're for, you know, the last will come first, right? Um, and so we should just push clergymen uh, and say like, okay, well, if you really believe that, then what are you going to do about it? What's your position on this, mm -hmm. right? How can we have you know, eight people who have as much wealth as 50% of the world's population. Um, 
And I see this as kind of taking the same line, basically, saying, like, okay, well, like, if you say that, um, you know, like, you should love, uh, you know, love others and do, you know, whatever, do justice and things like that, then what does that really mean in practice? And then just trying to work out the contradiction between love and struggle. Um, you know, I don't know, I, I appreciate the way that uh, he, you know, the, the, the thing is really is what is love? And is love, you know, at one point he says that love doesn't have have its own interests. Um, I don't know what that means. Maybe you all can shed light on that for me. Um, but the interesting thing is that, is that I think what I, I get from this, it, and I, you know, from my reading, is that love and harm are not at all, like, mutually exclusive, right? So, like, to love one uh, doesn't mean that you will not refrain from harming one, right? Or refrain from, like, repressing one. It's it's kind of like, uh, in education, you know, Paul, people talk about Paulo Freire. He wrote this book, Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Very few people read it. Um, you know, it's decent. And it, it, one, of the, one of the key points in there, though, is he says that, like, sometimes, he says it's an act of love to repress the oppressor, right? To prevent the oppressor from oppressing, to restrain them or to repress them in that way is actually a love, and that's a process of humanizing them. So, like, the gulag, right, would be like a humanizing institution where uh, you would be, like, loving the oppressor. Yeah, uh, I think, like, it's interesting because, uh, so in um, Western Christian societies, uh, Christians are, like, very nervous about um, just violence in general, uh, except, like, as we talked about on the other episode, uh, you know, very bad systemic violence like capitalism or imperialism like that's something that christians don't often worry about but when it comes to like you know bodies like meeting other bodies in space like that's a problem for christians uh and i think it's really interesting that mccabe is trying to cut across that a little bit and deal with those hard questions like uh well if someone is you know totally uh ruining your planet (laughs) and other people um, then it may be an act of love for them, uh, you know, for their own good to like not let them destroy the only planet that we have. <laughs> um, like he has uh, some sort of general like points for his uh, view of class struggle. And one of them is uh, that it's not about envy or resentment of like the rich. Um, and I thought like that was such a good thing to kind of push against. Like it's not as though um, people who are engaged in class struggle just like want to be on top and want all the stuff. It's like motivated mm-hmm. by this kind of very different solidarity that has nothing to do with that question. To get back at some of what Derek was saying, I guess in the beginning of his his thoughts there, uh, or like that that this is a this is an essay not for like you know communists to come to church or something, but more about like for Christians to think more about um, uh, like understanding material conditions and also understanding the discourse of communism and the left a little bit more. There's a, a really good quote, I think, from the McCabe essay that is is worth parsing out here because I think it, it kind of applies to the situation. Um, and it applies to the, the stuff that Len was saying as well. Uh, McCabe, uh, he says, Christianity is not an ideal theory. It is a praxis, a particular kind of practical challenge to the world. Christians, therefore, do not know... Uh, Christians, therefore, do not or should not stand around saying what a pity there is capitalism and the class war. They say, or they should say, uh, how are we going to change this? Um, That idea, I think, is 
pretty, I think, important for this discussion because, um, yeah, Christianity is a, is about practicing certain things, but it is lacking a real critical and theoretical element in a lot of ways. Like it, it doesn't understand class war like within itself, right? It doesn't have that capacity. Um, and asking Christians like, well, like to think about the ways that um, leftists and communists have like thought about class struggle and materialist histories, um, I think is a real opening point for this like larger question of Christian practice. Um, and like what love looks like in some of those in some of those places. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I really like I really like that when you said that Christianity is a praxis, because to me, that's like that's really like that's what Lenin is saying to the like uh, militant atheists. Right. Is he's like, this is a praxis. This is something that you do. This isn't something that you polemicize against in newspapers right. and you talk about in the realm of ideas. This is something that like only exists in so far as it manifests itself in the actual world and to the and that it corresponds to the like sort of, you know, contemporary configurations or coordinates of, of society uh, and of the class struggle. And to me, that's kind of what McCabe is saying. Yeah. But just about Christianity. So so bringing that full circle then to what we were saying about like um, about like repression and love and about how like um, maybe enacting Christian love in some places means like repressing other social forces like capitalism um the the thing derek the thing you said about gulags makes me very uncomfortable because i don't know what to do with that (laughs) (laughs) um but but like the 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 central idea is there i guess like that uh to to enact a christian practice through um uh a like a theory like you know through marxist theory or through like um marxist leninism or something looks different than just um i guess christian practice by itself there's like a there's a larger and more systemic direction you can put that practice uh into and i think that is very helpful um just i mean um there are there are current historical like situations that marx himself can't talk about because like you know he's not here and there are like are tons more of historical uh like present present like political situations that like I don't know, Jesus and like the saints and uh, like can't talk about because they're not here. So finding ways to um, extend uh, Christian practice through better theory seems uh, really important. Yeah, I think so. Actually, uh, this might be an interesting time um, to ask you, Derek, a little bit about uh, your experience in the PSL, uh, you know, a Marxist Leninist party trying to do real life stuff in the world. Um and not just reading books uh <laughs> like do you meet a lot of christians in the party per se or uh do you guys have a kind of um a good leninist principle that uh you just don't talk about it like you talk about it over beers but not at party meetings um, <laughs> <laughs> like you know how does it seem to operate in like a place like the united states which is um sort of notorious for having a lot of very reactionary christians <laughs> yeah yeah um well, I think that, like, the, so, you know, where we are right now, um, the church is, you know, in general, like, it's not, um, I don't know, like, a lot of people go to church, right, it's relevant, but, you know, if you talk to any, like, pastor or reverend, right, like, any young one who's just coming in, what they're saying is, like, nobody goes to church anymore, right, and, I mean, is that true? Yeah. Yeah, that's that it's right. It's like, there's been, like, you know, 
rapid decline in church attendance and young people, right? Congregations are getting older. Is that true? Yeah. And there's a gazillion, you know, Christian think pieces about why millennials aren't going to church or whatever. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's because there's not enough <laughs> communism in church, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because it's I need to do more memes, I think. Um, <laughs> more memes. That's right. More memes. Oh, God. Uh, so, so like, right. So it's a totally different situation in which there is like the, you know, religious right wing, you know, that we have to like that we fight against. But when we fight against them, you know, we were clear that this isn't about right. This isn't a fight against Christianity. This is, um, you know, a fight against this, per, you know, whatever, like a perversion of it or like a political manifestation of it in the same way that like, you know, um, uh, we will condemn uh, the like Salafist, uh, you know, jihadist terrorist groups um, like Daesh, Al Nusra, Al Qaeda, uh, you know, all those types of groups without like saying that like, you know, the the masses have to have to denounce Islam, right? Um, right. And just you know, so it's like, I mean, in terms of individuals and their beliefs, I think that like. I mean, you know, I think that, like, it's not, it's not a primary struggle. And so, like, people who have religious beliefs, uh, you know, are comfortable to share them. And some people, like, you know, wear visual symbols that communicate that. Um, and, you know, I mean, we take pride in that. We, I, like, a, like, a communist party is supposed to represent the, like, the composition of the proletariat. And so... Like, in that sense, actually, if your Communist Party is all atheist, you don't represent the composition of the proletariat huh. today at all, right? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this isn't, like, a line that we have or, like, you know, uh, we don't have, like, if you read our publications, it's not like we have a, an official position on religion in the same way that, you know, we don't have an official position on, like, hairstyles or dress <laughs> or whatever. Um, and not to, you know, not, I mean, I, I don't mean that in a, you know, disparaging way, like, that, yeah. you know, like religion is just something you put on in the morning or something like that. But just to say that, um, you know, like we also don't have a hard position or a position on, um, let's say like, I don't know what the primary form of capital today is like, is it finance capital uh -huh. or is it industrial capital? You know what I mean? Like, they, right. th like are important questions for sure. Right. But we don't have a position on it. Uh, like we have diversity of, of views within our within our party on those topics. Um, and yeah, so I think that that's like, um, you know, we want to we want to condemn like Islamophobes, you know, all anti-Muslim sentiment. We want to condemn the sort of religious right wing. Uh, if there is a you know, if there's a group that's being oppressed because the religious practices, we want to defend them um, and their and their ability, you know, their right to do that. We think that people should have the right to worship, you know, how they want to worship um, in in society and to be, you know, to not be afraid to do that, to not have to face like, you know, terrorist violence in order to do that. Yeah, that's really fascinating to me. Um, so Matt was saying earlier, like we're kind of obsessed with the Communist Party of the Philippines right now. Uh, it's the flavor of the month over here at the Magnificast. <laughs> and uh, like, yeah, uh, one very cool thing about them uh, that I would like to get your thoughts on, especially having read the McCabe and Lenin together, is, uh, so in the CPP, there is, a uh, another group called the CNL, the Christians for National Liberation, and, uh, to make a very long story short, they're just, like, a bunch of Christians who are very into communism. So they're part of the armed struggle in the Philippines, and they, like, put out their own communiques, but, like, sort of within the umbrella of the CPP, 
And, like, the Philippines is something like 90% Roman Catholic, and then, like, a, a slightly smaller percent, or <laughs> significantly smaller percent, um, you know, Protestant and whatever. Basically, everyone is a Christian. Um, and so it's really interesting because, like, the way the armed struggle has taken up Christian language um, has intentionally tried to, like, convert uh, priests and nuns in particular, but also lay people and bishops and whatever, uh, understanding that there's, like, a not only, like, a real social capital in doing that, uh, but also, like, there's a real kind of uh, um, driving force to be had in languages like Christianity and other sort of religious vocabularies. And I was thinking about, like, at the end of the McCabe essay, he talks about, uh, he has this great thing about the Sermon on the Mount, and he's like, so people think the Sermon on the Mount would, like, mean you have to be a pacifist. But what if it actually just trains you to be a really good comrade? So, like, instead of being, uh, you know, like, people don't want to be around, like, arrogant jerks. Uh, and so Jesus is like, yeah, that's why you should be meek and humble, because that's how you build solidarity, right? But that doesn't preclude these other kinds of actions. Um, so do you think that uh, there's room in, like, a kind of Leninist program to uh, not just be completely silent about religion, um, and also not like totally endorse a religion, but kind of um, intentionally borrow from those traditions in the way that it borrows from other kinds of uh, Marxist language or philosophical language or tools, etc. Yeah, you know, I think that, I mean, one thing is that, you know, the like the function of the Communist Party, right, is to, uh, it exists to like lead, wage, win, uh, contribute to, you know, maximize the struggle against capitalism and imperialism, right? And the reason, the whole reason for the party form, as Lenin conceptualized it, uh, and as it has succeeded in the world, is that it's like, you know, it's the most effective, efficient, um, sort of congruous way in which to uh, to accomplish that task, right? So, like, you know democratic centralism is not just this principle that like Lenin loves. Um, he says that it just makes the most sense right now. And like, we're not, we don't have a fetish for it. It's just like centralization, discipline, those types of things are necessary in the moment. Uh, and, and so I say that to, you know, to basically highlight the point that like the task of the communist party, you know, isn't to recruit everyone. Uh, and it isn't to, um, you know, like, I think that the example that you provided about the communists in the Philippines, where there's a group of Christian communists or Christians who are operating within this communist group, you know, I see that that makes sense to me. Right. Whereas, you know, for a communist party to explicitly like start speaking to, you know, incorporating religions, re incorporating arguments uh, or lines from like, like religious communists, different religious communists to, you know, sort of recruit makes like that might make tactical sense in one you know, one area or another, but it doesn't make sort of like theoretical sense, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, but, yeah. But, but the thing is, again, is that like the party is like, a, you know, it's a malleable form. And in fact, the sort of founding, um, the founding document of like the third international, right? The common turn in 1919 or 1920, which is, you know, the, that's the organization that really oversaw the formation of the communist parties that, that led all these struggles um, in the 20th century. It, it writes, this is 1921. Um, and it's a document on, on communist organization that I just found in the mm -hmm. nick of time, right? There, <laughs> there can be no absolutely correct, immutable organizational form for communist parties. 
The conditions of the proletarian class struggle are subject to changes in an unceasing process of transformation. The organization of the vanguard of the proletariat must also constantly seek appropriate forms corresponding to these changes. Similarly, the historically determined characteristics of each individual country condition particular forms of adaptations in the organization of the individual parties. Um, and I really like that so because like that's the founding document of the organization, right, that helped form all these communist parties, saying that there's no immutable form for it. It can take different shapes. So to go back to the initial question, um, I can see it like sort of, you know, making sense in particular in particular moments. I think that the I think that the example of the communists in the Philippines to me, you know, that that makes good sense. Yeah, that's um, man. Uh, yeah, that it depends on the historical like the, the material conditions is like the most uh, the most communist thing you can say, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when in doubt, just say that. Yeah, right. That's, always, that's like a good answer. Um, there is like this, there's something, there's an interesting sort of like tension here. Um, okay. Uh, that like an interesting line that makes some tension with the sort of like flexibility or like, you know, do it, do whatever is like, you know, works in the material conditions that you're in or whatever that like, uh, the communist party can like take some different forms depending on the situation. Um, but the Christian church, however, like we think about Mm -hmm. that as being like, that is like an immutable thing that has a a proper and right organization, or at least like there are, uh, there are an array of proper and right organizations, depending on your denomination. Um, (laughs) there's like this really cool line, uh, or I don't know if it's cool. It's challenging. It's interesting. I don't know. Uh, from McCabe where he says, um, uh, he says the Christian movement shattered itself at the reformation by its involvement in the capitalist revolution. It's only now, with the end of the capitalist era, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, that those wounds are being healed uh, now that uh, they are irrelevant. Uh, we must expect the involvement of Christians in the socialist revolution to be no less traumatic for churches. So this is a pretty wild sort of thing for, like, a mm-hmm. uh, Dominican guy to say, like, someone who is Catholic, you know, like, someone who belongs to the, like, the one church that is actually right about everything. Um, <laughs> that, like, that there could be, like, uh, if Christians are going to participate in socialist revolutions, there could be, like, um, potential, like, more potential schismatic things to happen. Um, but, but there's sort of, like, um, I don't know, it seems like there is, at least in, in this, what I get is that, there will be traumatic transformations um, of the church if, like, Christians really buy into the idea of class warfare as well. And that, like, I don't know, uh, maybe we shouldn't uh, fetishize the form of church or as, like, a specific organizational structure too much because it could all be overturned um, like it has in the past with different political economic revolutions. Dean, what do you think about that, man? Is that, like, is that cool? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I think it's very cool. Uh, so one thing that Matt and I found when we were Googling some stuff about McCabe was a Catholic Answers Forum, where the first question was like, is Herbert McCabe uh, Orthodox? Like, you know, a real life good good Catholic in good standing. And uh, all these people were like, absolutely not. Um, because they're, uh, he like, well, the reasons they didn't like it was, uh, I think he's like a fan of uh, women's ordination, which they don't like, and uh, also something else. But anyway, uh, point being, there are loads of uh, reactionary Catholics that do not like Herbert McCabe, but they're all wrong. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, the thing is, like, McCabe isn't, like, he never got excommunicated. Like, he's a part of the Catholic Church. Um whether people like that or not just like there are a ton of like very bad reactionaries that i don't like are part of the catholic church so you know i think he's actually right to say like 
a lot of those differences are kind of irrelevant right now because they are like bourgeois problems, whether you decide to, you know, believe in God this way or not, um, or go to a Latin mass or a vernacular mass or something like these dumb kind of basically like materially kind of meaningless issues. Um, so I don't know. I, I like what McCabe has to say. So obviously I want him to be a good Catholic because I also want to be a good Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> when I was reading um, this McCabe, and the way that he's trying to deal with, um, you know, like, how do you love, like, you know, how do you love everyone and, like, um, you know, your neighbor or whatever, uh, who's a capitalist and wage struggle against them at the same time? Um, I was actually thinking, like, to me, I think of Althusser and, mm-hmm. uh, like, structural Marxism is super helpful here because it's like, you're not actually, like, the struggle is really against capital. It's not really against capitalists. I mean, to the extent right. that like capitalists, you know, um, like a capitalist is not just a capitalist. That's like to the extent that they, right, like participate in capitalism, right, advance their, you know, throw capital into circulation and blah, 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 they're capitalists. But like, that's not, you know, you're not like, it doesn't actually do much good generally to wage a struggle against that person. Um, you're really trying to wage a struggle against the system and so, I don't know, I thought to me that was another thing that was like, um, you know, I don't know, I felt that was like a helpful way sort of out of that contradiction yeah. or to manage that contradiction. Yeah. That's sort of a, uh, a hate the sin, love the sinner kind of uh, approach <laughs> to capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love the player, hate the game. <laughs> yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so one thing Derek, Matt and I have been talking about since you've been gone, uh, is, uh, <laughs> you, make it sound like, you make it sound like I like deserted you. No, well, you went away and now you're back, you know, back, uh, back as the, the rotating guest host. This is like, whose line is it anyway? And you're like the guest host that people like. So, you know, <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to regret that metaphor later, but yeah. for right now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, yeah. So anyway, we were talking about how Marxist-Leninism is a lot like Catholicism, and then uh, there are so many issues on the left that are just, like, very hilariously analogous to Christian problems. Mm. Like, uh, if you go on any Christian, like, forum on the internet, you'll just see hundreds and hundreds of very pedantic, seemingly pointless, uh, like, questions about this or that theology or this or that Mm. soteriology or, like, goofy terms. And, uh, like, none of them matter, but they matter so much (laughs) to these people. Um, yeah. And, uh, like, mm. Matt had this very funny Twitter interaction with the DSA about Maoism, and it was, like, structurally the exact same phenomenon, <laughs> and uh, I was just laughing about it because I feel like Marxism-Leninism and Catholicism are similar, and then they're like, listen, there's a difference of opinion, but also, like, there's a discipline structure here, and this is what holds us together, and, like, if you're not in, like, that's on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the uh, the conversation I was having, I don't know, it's probably not worth sharing, but I'll do it anyways. Um, some, like some, yeah, uh, some DSA chapter, like, uh, tweeted like a quote from Mao and, uh, it was like something pretty innocuous and like, I don't know, it was good. I was, I read it. I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then like a gazillion other DSA, uh, Twitter yeah. bros, uh, they were like, um, excuse me, you cannot do that. You can't, you can't quote <laughs> Mao on, on the internet. That seems wrong. And then, that seems wrong. and then they were like, 
then there's like this like you know uh increasingly pedantic discussion about like why that's wrong it's like um it was the like the point of like maximum confluence between christian rhetoric and like leftist rhetoric rhetoric at that point was like uh like can you quote mao without being a maoist and it's like like can you be a christian and also do this it's like oh my god (laughs) it's like full circle it's the same thing um a lot of transferable skills yeah lots of transferable skills for sure Anyway. And like also the quoting of letters from people to people. Yeah, right? yeah like, that's right. Especially <laughs> like Trotskyites are always like, oh, and like Trotsky's letter to his son in like 1928, like, <laughs> he said this thing, you know, in like the closing paragraph. And that's like my refutation to you. Right. And, you know, Christians are always quoting people, John Paul's letter, St. Paul's letters, right? Right. Yeah, Paul, yeah. Oh, but like, excuse me, that one is actually not authored by him. And I think you need to really check yourself there <laughs> about what you, <laughs> your biblical theology. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's ridiculous uh, and funny. Yeah. So also another way in which there are a lot of good uh, bridges to be built. Uh, maybe, maybe like the Christians could actually help the left on this because we've been dealing mm-hmm. with this problem for like hundreds and hundreds of years of how to, uh, how to like completely splinter and hate everyone, but also like try really hard to still call yourself a Christian. <laughs> yeah, and like wield a lot of power and land. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's getting close to the end of time, Derek. Uh, but I just wanted to say thanks for coming back again. Yeah, man, it's so cool. This to was talk like to you. super fun, and uh, yeah, uh, talking about Lennon and McCabe together is like a thing that I've been wanting to do for a long time. So thanks for that opportunity. Yeah, thank you. I've never read McCabe or heard about him, and this was totally new for me. And to tell you the truth, I mean, I'm not like an expert on, you know, Lenin and religion or Marxism and religion. So it's always fun to, you know, to learn from you guys and to think about it and to be probed a little bit to think more sharply. All right. Uh, thanks again to Derek for being on the show and putting up with all of our nonsense. Um, uh, thank, thank you for listening to the Magnificast. How about that? Um, <laughs> so make sure you do all the things that we said at the beginning of the episode. Join the Paul Virilio reading group. Give us some some money on Patreon. You can uh, get the episodes early if you do that. That's a cool thing, um, if, if that's what you want in your life. Um, and uh, to play us out, here's the illogical spoon, hoods up the lowdown technified blues. Get up for church in the morning, church in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth and there won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation. Never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday there'll be no damn between us and our Lord.